Welcome to Pastor Matters, the podcast of the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. We hope this conversation will both equip and encourage you to lead healthy churches that make disciples for the glory of God. I'm Brandon Ward. And I'm Ron Jorlock. We want to thank you for listening to another episode of Pastor Matters. Uh, Today we are joined by a very special guest, uh, Dr. Dwayne Milioni. Dr. Milioni serves on our preaching faculty here at Southeastern. Uh, he also serves as the director for the PhD in preaching. Uh, on top of his responsibilities at Southeastern, Dr. Milioni is the senior pastor at Open Door Church, where he has served for two decades. Uh, he's not just any pastor, uh, he's my pastor. Brother, thank you for taking the time to join us. It is good to be with you, fellas. Uh, so today we are going to be talking about pastors and preaching through Revelation. I know both of you have either preached or are preaching through the book of Revelation. Uh, so I'm going to start with you, Dr. Miloni, because you are actually doing it right now at our church. Uh, and so if I get this correct, you made this decision to preach through Revelation before 2020. Uh, in fact, you started it before 2020. What led you to this decision, and how has the Lord used this book this year in our church. Well, again, thanks for inviting me, uh, fellas. I, I appreciate your podcast and what you're doing here through the center. I honestly came to the book of Revelation a bit reluctantly because it uh, will be the last book that I will have preached through expositionally at my church. So I when I came to Open Door in 1999, I had a desire to preach every book of the Bible, and uh, Revelation was the last. And honestly, not just because it's the last book in the Bible, it's because I had a lot of questions that uh, needed to be answered. And uh, coming to 2020, um, it, it was the last book for me, and I had no idea that it, um, it would happen during this year. So um, when I began preaching through Revelation, um, I, I, was, I was very excited to delve into the apocalypse uh, a little bit worried about the middle sections and how I would handle those. And it has been amazing through the pandemic, through all of the uh, national, international tension that we have faced, uh, to see how God has provided so many illustrations for uh, the turmoil that we see in, in this, uh, this last and, and amazing book. Uh, for me personally, you know, again, coming into the, the preaching of it with a, a bit of fear and trepidation, I have been overwhelmed um, by the, the beauty and the glory of God, mm-hmm. uh, the power and the majesty of Jesus. I think Revelation reveals Christ in a way that very few other passages in the Scripture do. And um, I think we need that. You know, there's a very popular book right now that focuses on the gentility and the meekness of Jesus, and I think that's very important. 
man, that ain't in Revelation. <laughs> and, 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 and so I also think we need the, 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 the powerful conquering king, mm-hmm. you know, vision mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. And, and I, think the, I think the church needs a message of endurance and perseverance. And we've needed that this year, and that's definitely what Revelation helps us to see. Mm. That's good. That's good. Oh, that's very helpful. Uh, what has been the biggest challenge when it comes to preaching through Revelation, and, and why do you think so many pastors are hesitant to preach through this book? Uh, well, Ranjur can can help me with this. I I think the the challenge of Revelation, along with the other uh, apocalyptic passages of the Scripture, is just the interpretation. Mm-hmm. I, I think I think I think preachers are hesitant because they're just not sure mm-hmm. how to interpret the book. And what happens then is, you know, they can get derailed in their sermons. If they don't have a, a sense of clarity, it's sort of what Head Robinson used to talk about. If there's a mist in the pulpit, there's a fog in the pew. Yeah. And, and so fuzziness in your interpretation always results in foggy preaching. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I think that's, that's part of the challenge. You know, with, with Revelation, along with the other apocalyptic passages, you have to decide on your hermeneutic before you approach the book or the Mm. way that I like to talk about it with my students is you've got to choose what glasses you're wearing Mm. as you see the uh, the words of the scriptures so you know we we know there are at least four major interpretive views on the apocalyptic material and depending on the lens that you look at those passages through will be your interpretation. And that, that's a challenge because as evangelicals, uh, we, you know, we typically are wearing the same lenses as we're looking at the scriptures. And, and we're trying to find the author's intent through our grammatical historical you know, um, methods. But with Revelation, you know, you, if you put on your Amil lenses, you're reading everything as if this already happened. Yeah. If you put on your post-mill lenses, you're, you're, you're seeing it very differently than if you put on your pre-mill lenses. And then if you put on those crazy dispensational lenses, <laughs> then, then you're, you're in for a ride, right? I mean, you're ready to go for a journey because you better, you better be, as you're looking at, at the book of Revelation, you better be watching you know, Fox News at the same time because you got, you got to figure out today what all these symbols mean. And, and so, it, I mean, it really is. And I think that's where some of the angst is because it's, it's how, do I, how do I interpret this? Mm-hmm. And, and how do I do it with clarity? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you. And, and, and even kind of what you were uh, mentioning just a, uh, a few seconds ago, uh, we have a lot of guys that I think are concerned uh, because not only do they, are they unsure of how they read the Bible and how they read Revelation, 
but they may be very sure about how their people read Revelation. And there's a lot of crazy mm-hmm. <laughs> when we get to Revelation. That's right. So you've got folks that see tanks and missiles and nuclear weapons and 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 all of this. And, you know, uh, some people see the dark web, you know, and in <laughs> Revelation. Yeah. And you're just going, what in yeah. the world? And when you think from sermon to sermon uh, through the book of Revelation, not only... Uh, to preach what Revelation is saying, but then you also have to process the millions of things that Revelation is not saying. Uh, My goodness, I mean, how do you do all of that, you know, in uh, in each message? Because each passage is contested and each each passage has a a myriad of interpretation. So yeah, yeah, it's overwhelming for a lot of pastors to tackle a book like that. And I think for the guys who are trying to be fair, in giving each major interpretation, it just becomes confusing. Yeah, yeah. And what I decided to do is I just introduced the different approaches, but I let my folks know this is my approach. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. you just you need to know that from now on until we finish this book, every passage I will be looking through these lenses. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's so much, uh, there's so much wisdom to that. Uh, one, it keeps you from getting bogged in the weeds. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, my goodness, you talk about uh, you know the seven seal judgments. You know what's yeah. going on here. When is this happening? You know, uh, is this is this uh, symbolic or is this real or you yeah. know a uh, uh, literal? You know, yeah. and, and and I mean, they're just all these different things. And all of a sudden, you realize you're about forty minutes into your sermon, and you haven't actually touched the text. Exactly, that's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. So uh, maximize the time that you spend actually in the scriptures, uh, and uh, and and if you can, as much as you can in a book like Revelation, minimize the time that you spend on the peripheral uh, kind of commentary interpretations uh, on the book. Spend your time in the text. Mm. I was going to say, brother, that that's actually something that as somebody that's sitting in the congregation that I've noticed a lot and that you've done really well is presenting your view and saying, like, this is where I'm at, but here's what these other views see. I remember there was uh, maybe one or two sermons where you even laid out, you know, if you come from an all-mill uh, approach, this is the way you see this passage. And I just think that's been extremely helpful. And so I, I really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've already just established there's a, that there's a lot of difficult uh, text in the book of Revelation. How should pastors who are preaching through this book approach these difficult passages? Well, humbly, of course, um, but then not to neglect them, right? You, mm-hmm. you know, we we want to be faithful expositors, and we want to believe that every passage in the Bible has meaning and purpose not just for the original audience but for the contemporary audience and so uh we 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 have to be willing to deal with that and as anyone who's preached for some time knows that in the hard sayings and the difficult passages are some of the rarest gems uh in all of the scriptures and we need to mine them out Uh, what has helped me is to keep the main thing the main thing. Mm-hmm. The book of Revelation is about the revelation of Jesus Christ. Yeah. So make sure that no matter where you're at in the revelation that you're centering it upon the person 
and the work of Jesus mm-hmm. Christ, our, mm-hmm. our soon coming King. So mm-hmm. uh, keep driving the text back to Christ is helpful. Also, you know, um, make sure that, that thematically you uh, place every passage of Revelation under the purpose. The purpose of, of Revelation was to encourage the church's perseverance mm-hmm. and to encourage the church's uh, preparation for Christ's return. So, you know, uh, it's all about uh, persevering, enduring through persecution, and preparing for Christ's return. And as long as you keep those things in mind, it's you don't get so thrown off by uh, visions and symbols and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing that helped me tremendously was not necessarily to look at the chapter breaks, but to look at mm-hmm. the natural structure of the book, mm-hmm. which seems to be an introduction of through the letters of the churches and then and then an ending about the eternal states, but in the middle is a series of visions. Mm-hmm. And, and John keeps saying, and I saw, and I saw, and I saw. And so I divided my messages up into those visions. And, and that way you had sort of a self-contained pericope that helped me work through a, a, a sermon per vision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, all of that is, is very, very helpful. Um, I'll, I'll add one, one thing in particular. Uh, and this is something that I teach my students uh, when when we're getting into issues of hermeneutics and so on, and that is when you come to a a passage that that doesn't totally make sense, uh, try to read it in light of the passages that do make sense. So in a book like Revelation, you have uh, some uh, visions and, and images and so on. You're going, what in the world is going on here? Dragons and multiple headed beasts, you know, and everything. <laughs> what are you talking about? Well, normally the, I guess you say the sensational, you know, the, this, this, these, these wild visions and so on are juxtaposed next to rather ordinary things. Uh, so you would have, you know, a beast, you know, and you're going, what in the world is going on with this beast? Well, this beast is persecuting uh, the church. And you go, oh, okay, so who, whatever this is or whoever this is, we're talking about persecution here, mm-hmm. okay? And so, okay, I can read that. I can read the, the unknown in light of the known. Uh, another example of that is uh, many times, in fact, I'd even say most of the time in Revelation, uh, you have a vision, and the vision is is again, you know, it's it's wild. It's it's you know, you try picturing it, and you will be up at night. Uh, <laughs> but uh, as you're going, what does this mean, and what's going on, you know, and, and everything? Normally, the answer is like the next paragraph. <laughs> so they'll say, uh, John will say what he saw. And then later, John will say, now this is what that meant. This was the interpretation of what I saw. You see that in John uh, with Revelation. You see it in Daniel. Uh, uh, you see it in Ezekiel. You see it in Zechariah. And in apocalyptic literature, remember, uh, they're unveiling a mystery. That's what apocalypse is. It's an unveiling. Okay, And they would not have done their full job if they just unveiled it and then said, all right, here you go. 
<laughs> have fun with it. You know, knock yourselves out with 2,000 years of, of multiple debates and interpretations. Uh, most of the time, and I think it really falls down to if they got the interpretation, uh, there are some things they didn't get, but most of the time they ask, what does this mean? And there's someone, an angel or, or, or whoever, that says, well, this is what this means. Yeah. Now, there's some times where that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but at least you have something that you can work with. So instead of reinventing the wheel and, and kind of going on a, on a search through all of history and, and even as some, you know, a search through, you know, all of the books and so on that have been written and all the different interpretations, sometimes the easiest uh, uh, thing to do for you and the simplest and perhaps even uh, most reasonable thing for you to do is just read the next verse. Mm -hmm. uh, and right. a lot of times the interpretation is right there in the following passage. And, and I think that, as, as you said, if it's not there, it's okay to leave it hanging. Yeah. It's okay for some of the symbols and the images to remain a question mark for mm -hmm. us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And maybe in part there's some of the purpose in writing through this particular uh, genre. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Those are very helpful tips. Uh, appreciate y'all kind of walking us through that. Uh, two prominent themes we see in Revelation are God's judgment and his justice. I remember there being a stretch where you would say that every Sunday, that you cannot have justice without God's judgment. Uh, how have you preached these two themes from this book? Carefully. Um, but I also think that these themes have to be preached boldly. Mm -hmm. When I entered into preaching through Revelation, I was a bit anxious about these themes. And, you know, how do you preach about the seal judgments and the trumpet judgments and the bold judgments and and worried about you know are there going to be apt illustrations for these and of course in 2020 happens and, <laughs> and and I've got this passage that talks about this horde of demon locusts and 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 then you know we get plagued with murder hornets and I said thank you Lord <laughs> and then you know bowls are poured out and you know a third of the world has a disease and I'm like thank you Lord for that mm -hmm, illustration mm -hmm. and then you know politically uh, everything just goes upside down in chaos and then, thank you Lord you know so mm -hmm. you can blame all of this on me by the way 2020 <laughs> for asking God for illustrations yeah, right that's what you get for praying for yeah, sermon praying illustrations for, <laughs> praying for sermon illustrations and the world turns into chaos uh, but you know honestly Part of the reason why we have to preach Revelation is to get clarity on God's judgment. Mm. And, and I really didn't mean that. You, you cannot have justice without judgment. Mm -hmm. And, and, and what, what we're hearing today is this cry for justice everywhere. Mm -hmm. And I think it's good. Mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm for it. But you can't cry out for justice unless there's judgment. Yeah. And, and, and even then, I think that we see judgment so misplaced and misunderstood. Mm -hmm. So Revelation brings these two concepts together that, that God is going to make everything right. Mm -hmm. 
but in God dealing with injustice, look look what he has to do in order to make all of the wrongs right. And it is powerful and dramatic and Mm -hmm. absolutely terrifying. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so let's not look outside of the text of Scripture to understand what justice is, but let's not neglect that when we find justice through the nature and the character of God, that we, we also are willing to realize that because of injustice, our God is a God of judge, mm-hmm. who will judge. And, and his judgment is awesome, mm. and it is terrible. Yeah. Mm. And these are concepts that fewer and fewer preachers are, are willing to deal with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But in, if you think about it, if, if we can trust that God himself is a God who is just and a God who is a judge, and if he promises to make all wrongs right, then that um, alleviates us from having to be that. Mm-hmm. And instead of us forcing the issue of it's, it's our responsibility to make all wrongs right, why don't we trust that God is going to do that mm-hmm. in his time and in his way? Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I, I think these themes are crucial, especially for our contemporary context. Yeah, yeah, that, that's very, very helpful. Um, it, it's, it's good to know that our God uh, hears and our God sees, and, and that's what Revelation is all about God hears and God sees and in Revelation God acts Mm -hmm. Um, something to remember in the book as well is that uh, John is writing uh, to uh, the seven churches and of course he talks about the things that are going on inside the church and and that's an interesting thing to to think about as well before you know the lord really un, you know unveils the judgments that he'll have on the earth uh the lord's got something to say to his churches first uh kind of reminded me of first peter judgment begins in the house of god uh you know so you you've got that there but by and large uh the book is written with the persecuted church in mind uh, the church is suffering. The church is hurting. I, I remember in chapter six, you know, when the 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 uh, the uh, executed, the martyred saints, you know, are crying out, "How long, O Lord? You know, how long?" And uh, uh, you know, you you see this throughout the book uh, in in um, that the, that there's judgment there, uh, but the judgment is not just the Lord's uh, uh, dealing with the sin of the world. But specifically, it's the Lord uh, addressing the evil that has been done towards his people, you know, towards him uh, chiefly, uh, but also uh, wrapped up in that towards his people. And, and so you have people, I think, that cry out for justice uh, and they don't realize just how effective Christ is, you know, in, in executing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and even all throughout the ages, all throughout the centuries, uh, how many people have been wronged, how many people have been persecuted, how many people have been martyred, uh, you know, our brothers and sisters, you know, uh, our, our ancestors in the faith, if you will, you know, through the centuries. And all of this comes to a head in the acts that uh, you know of judgment in the book of Revelation, where the Lord says, "Time's up. 
Mm-hmm. It's over. <laughs> now I'm I'm going to do you know uh, what what I've been holding back all this time. So if we think about uh, in, in chapel here at Southeastern uh, uh, this uh, uh, kind of COVID semester, <laughs> um, we've been going through Second Peter. And Peter's application uh, to the soon coming judgment uh, is to remember, if you will, uh, uh, the fact, uh, remember the patience of the Lord. So this is the judgment that is coming. Let's stop and recognize that right now God's holding back uh, in incredible long suffering. Uh, and we need to take advantage of this time, you know, as while we still have time. And you see that in Revelation also. Uh, the two witnesses, for instance, in chapter 11 and, and, and other passages where they say you know, where, where you see this this um, this play for uh, uh, going and getting the gospel out and bearing witness to the person and work of Christ while we have time. So if we recognize the justice is coming, if we recognize judgment is coming, how much more should we who know Christ and perhaps are even suffering for Christ? How much more should we not just persevere, but, uh, uh, but, but go to every place that we possibly can with the gospel of Christ and, uh, and get it to as many folks uh, as we possibly can because this is as real as it actually is here in Revelation. So you've both kind of alluded to this uh, in some of what you're saying, but I still think this is an important question to ask. How does the book of Revelation shape the way we view not just the church, but the kingdom of God. Mm. I think that we have neglected the central theme of kingdom far too long yeah. in our exegesis mm-hmm. of the scriptures. Kingdom and covenant, they encompass the entirety of the Bible from beginning to end and when you add Christ and his church in that then you you come to the fullest understanding of kingdom and covenant and so I I went to Revelation with those important themes um, as I, I began that the relationship that Jesus has with his church, the new covenant is an essential part of Christ establishing his kingdom now and what he will usher in the future kingdom um, hopefully soon. Uh, so uh, very important. And, and But we've got to pick up these themes earlier in the Bible and not just wait, you know, until we get to the end. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, as Ron Jour said, John wrote this letter to churches, to local churches. Mm-hmm. And so um, the encouragement to the church is the purpose of, of the book uh, for its um, preservation and its perseverance. But even in the middle parts, I see the church. So again, I, that's the lens that I, that I read the, the scriptures through. I tend to fall somewhere along the historic pre-mill um, you know, category. 
And so for me, I see the, the, the church past, present, and future all throughout the book of Revelation. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I see obviously the, the, the church in the beginning, but even when, you know, the, um, the judgments are happening, I, I, I see it as a, as a warning to the churches to endure and persevere and, and not forsake God and forget God when when the troubles and the difficulties come. I, I my hundred and forty four thousand is the church and the two witnesses of the church. It's church, 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 church for me. Um, but again, that's my particular lens that I'm looking at it through. Um, but in in seeing the the new covenant and Christ's kingdom uh, in the book of Revelation, and and what the other uh, uh, portions of the New Testament help us to to fill in on what is our relationship to Christ as the church, as a part of the kingdom, man, it, Revelation really can come together uh, more seamlessly, and it doesn't, it doesn't feel so much like this sort of uh, futuristic novel, which, which I think is, is part of the danger of, of Revelation, right? Mm-hmm. It just seems so different than the rest of the New Testament that we just sort of set it aside. Mm-hmm. But when we interpret it in light of the church, in light of the kingdom, from the other passages that talk about that, then, oh, okay, it just is, you know, uh, another way of, of God, you know, expressing his relationship to his people through it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the... the the revelation is is so interesting because you've got a uh, you you do obviously have that future aspect in there, uh, but that future message, if you will, the future revelation has present significance. You know, and if you miss the present significance, uh, I would say for for the preacher that you're missing the. Uh, uh, you're missing the point. <laughs> you know this. This book isn't in here just so you know. Uh, you know what's what's going to happen. You know or anything like that. The book is here so that you would know what God therefore requires of you today. You know in light of all of that. Uh, and so yeah, the the implications for the church are are amazing. Over and over again in the book, uh, John will he'll be talking and he almost kind of does. Um, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm a kid of the, of the 80s and 90s, and so I remember uh, the, the show Saved by the Bell, and uh, and Zach Morris, the main character, every once in a while would just do a timeout, and then he'd turn and start talking to the you know to the camera, <laughs> or say like a Ferris Bueller or someone like that would just have these moments where he talks to the to the camera and he's talking to the audience, kind of breaking that uh, what do they call it the third wall, fourth wall, yes, yeah, right. whatever wall it was. Um, John does that in Revelation all the time. You know, he'll he'll give this this vision and he's deep into, you know, describing what's going on and all that and then he'll just stop and say, and here's a testimony for the one who overcomes, you know. Right. <laughs> Here is wisdom, you right. know, for the, right. Right. <laughs> for this he's appealing to the church and he's saying, "Hey guys, I'm writing this so that you know how you're supposed to live now." Uh, so yeah, you're right. The church is all over the place in uh, in the book of Revelation. In, in terms of the kingdom, I tell you, the more I read Revelation, the more I join John at the end and just say, "Come quickly, Lord Jesus." If this, I, I I'll be honest, I I don't 
totally want the judgments, you know, uh, and 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 all of that. I I mean, it's horrifying. I, I wouldn't wish any of this on my worst of enemies. Mm-hmm. Um, I want them to come to repentance and 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 you know be saved from His wrath. Uh, but to see the the new heavens and the new earth, and to see the new Jerusalem coming down, and yeah. to see just how glorious. I know that's exactly where you are right mm-hmm. now. Uh, to see the beauty of Christ and and the the beauty of the bride. You know, I remember my wedding day, and uh, and just how glorious you know Annie was and still is, by the way, um, uh, on my wedding day, uh, and to think that she's just a little tiny snapshot of the bride mm. you know when when she is presented and finally in all of her glory mm. you know before king jesus i i look at you know you mentioned fox news and you know you can throw everybody else in in there mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. uh, all the other uh, guys and i just re- I, I i watch this or i'll read articles and i'll just step back and i'll just go this ain't it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just this is this just pales in comparison to to the kingdom. Yes. Uh, we've got issues. You know, you read, say, Augustine's City of God and, and you know, the way that he describes the city of man. And, and I feel him. You know, I, I feel what he's what he's saying there where he's like, you know, this is all we've got. <laughs> and we we try to do the best that we can with what we've got but our hearts we were made to long for more we were made to long for the city of god and so as the kingdom is coming uh in all of its you know fullness uh when when we will see jesus on earth ruling over the cosmos uh and and so forth uh Boy, I, the older I get, and the more aware I am of my sin, and the more aware I am of of our world and the the sin of our of our of our culture and so on, uh, the more I'm I'm with him, and I'm just going, Lord Jesus, come quickly! I we need you, we need you now. Absolutely, I was actually going to say that you know, as we've been going through the Book of Revelations, there's certainly been some weeks where I'm just like, ah, I'm not, I don't, I don't know about this. But where we are now in chapter 21, especially last week, it's just it was a really rough week for our church, for our, our Sebbets community. And I, we were going through the first four verses of that chapter where mm. there's no more tears. Yeah. There's no more suffering. Yeah. The one that we have placed our hope in, there's no even need for that hope because we're present, we're with him. And so mm. just a, such a good job bringing that out and, and so needed in this season that we found ourselves in. Uh, with uh, as a church and uh, as our Sebbets community, we're just mourning. So I'm going to try to get some brownie points here, some mm-hmm. extra brownie points, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. ask a question from your sermon from yesterday. You so, listened. You actually listened. <laughs> <laughs> so yesterday, I knew I, we were doing this podcast today, and I knew oh, I better yeah, be listening. You better, okay. <laughs> uh, so yesterday we were in Revelation 21, and you said that the church has existed and exists between it is finished and it is done. Mm. Can you elaborate what you meant on that for our listeners? Yeah, in Revelation 21, um, God himself speaks to John, which he he only spoke to John directly in chapter 1 in verse 8, where he said to John, I am the Alpha and I am the Omega, the beginning and the end. He says that again, verse 5 and 6. And so he's speaking directly, and he says, John, write this down. It's done. Hmm. 
and it it was such a a brief but powerful statement that my mind immediately went to that statement that Jesus made on the cross where he said it's finished mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then i began to contemplate the difference between what christ finished at his first coming mm -hmm. and what does it is done mean at, after his second coming and so I just did a little rhetorical analysis of all that Jesus finished on the cross. You know, our redemption and the, the payment and our rescue and our, our freedom. But as amazing as, as that is, there's still things that need to be accomplished. And so between his first coming and when Christ returns and establishes his forever kingdom and God says it is done, here we are in the middle. Yeah. And, and what, is, what is now our faith response to God, knowing that it is finished, has been accomplished, but is, it is done and still yet to be accomplished. Mm -hmm. And hopefully this would motivate us to live by faith and obedience. Mm -hmm. if, if we believe everything that Christ accomplished on the cross when he said it's finished, how much more ought we to place faith and believe mm -hmm. that God is finally going to complete his purpose for his creation and for his children? Yeah, mm, that's good. Yeah, you know, we look back and we reflect on the it is finished, but at the same time we look forward to the it is done. Yeah. And I think we did that even yesterday as our church uh, partook in the Lord's Supper yes. where we say thank you, Jesus, for yes the sacrifice you made for us on the cross. But Jesus, we're looking forward to what's to come because we know this ain't it. Yes. Yeah. We know that yeah. there's there's yes. something better. The coming. Lord's Supper was so appropriate yesterday mm. and just added to that imagery. Mm. So I'm going to ask uh, two more questions, but I'm going to put them together. Uh, what resources would you recommend to pastors who are looking at preaching through the book of Revelation in the near future and do you have any last words of advice for pastors that are going to be in this book? Mm. Well, if you're looking for the magic decoder ring, <laughs> it ain't there. <laughs> and I think that actually this answer is dangerous because... You know, when we typically are looking for commentaries and resources in preaching through a book of the Bible, we can find scholars and span denominations and find some really good resource. But it's a bit dangerous here mm -hmm. because, again, depending on the lens that you're looking at the book through, you could have four commentaries, excellent scholars, and they will tell you exactly the opposite. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that can really lead to frustration. So... Uh, my encouragement would be to, you know, you identify your position uh, on eschatology, and then you find the, the best scholars and pastors who have preached sermons on this, and, and then use those resources as you write your own sermons. Mm -hmm. Of course, we're writing our own sermons. Mm -hmm. And... Um, and so 
um, I, I can't just give you the top 10 books because they are going to, in, in some ways, if you read them all, be a bit confusing. Now, personally, I have gleaned a lot uh, from two sources, uh, Grant Osborne's mm-hmm. uh, excellent commentary on Revelation mm-hmm. and D.A. Carson's lectures on the book of Revelation. They're a bit dated now, and the way they're actually a class he taught at Trinity, so it's just kind of divided up lecture by lecture. Uh, But um, those uh, lectures are on the Gospel Coalition uh, website, and so uh, those two really helped me a lot. Not a lot of sermons you'll find in Revelation, to be honest. If you go to the sermon websites, uh, we need a lot more. So mm-hmm. uh, hopefully this podcast will encourage more guys to, to preach it. And to your second question, do it. Uh, yeah. Now having preached through Revelation, I want to do it again. Mm-hmm. And I want to get there more often, um, be less intimidated by the book. I, I think it's really important. So mm-hmm. I hope I hope more preachers will engage it. Yeah. Yeah, that I, I totally agree with you on that. I think that uh, you do your people a disservice uh, if you don't preach the whole counsel of God. Mm-hmm. And if Revelation, of course, is uh, the the end of this of this story, this grand story that began in the garden, uh, it's like watching. Uh, an epic, you know, say you're going through Lord of the Rings or something and you you go through uh, the extended edition, you know, of of the Fellowship of the Ring and the Two Towers and you get to Return of the King and, you know, Frodo and and, uh, uh, Sam are climbing Mount Doom and all of a sudden, you know, the power goes out in the house and you don't get to see the ending. Nobody will go... All right. Well, good night. See you later. Uh, you know, it was yeah. good. Fun yeah. while it lasted. Yeah. No, no. How does this end? <laughs> we got to get the ending. And and so for uh, you, Pastor, as you're as you're preaching God's word, get to the end. You know, and show your people how this book ends and all of its epic greatness and mystery and uh, uh, and and even horror. Uh, but yet, of course, in in just spectacular joy. You know, show your people uh, what. Uh, what the end of the story is all about. Um, I'll, I'll add a couple of things to this. Uh, one, you are hard pressed to find a a more spectacular portrait of Christ than you will in, in Revelation. Uh, if you want people to see Jesus, there are portraits all throughout the Bible from Genesis all the way on. But you get to Revelation and you see him, if you will, you see him as he currently is. Yes. Um, you know, Christmas is, is uh, you know, comes every year and, and you can reflect on Jesus as a baby. You know, you can reflect on all the story leading up to his incarnation. Uh, you can look at Jesus on the cross. You could look at him out of the grave. But if you want to see Jesus as he currently is right now, go to Revelation. Uh, And I'll I'll warn you, uh, when John saw Jesus as he currently is, he passed out unconscious. Yes. (laughs) So so you've been warned. Um, You've been warned. Uh, But also uh, for folks who who fear, you know, you may have people who are fearful of this world. They're fearful of uh, obviously when when the world decides to flex its muscles against the church as it does and it has for for centuries now. 
uh, and they you know may be experiencing even in a time like this a, a season of of upheaval you know where nothing makes sense everything is up in the air the world is falling apart and so on go to Revelation and and show them one we haven't seen anything yet mm-hmm. uh, and two this is all a part of God's sovereign plan in bringing about the return of Christ and ex- and exalting him on earth as king over everything. This this is not an aberration from the plan. This is the plan. Uh, and the plan will cultivate uh, uh, will culminate in uh, in in unprecedented glory and and joy uh, in that in that day. So so make sure that your people get this because they need a rock solid hope. And there is no greater hope than Jesus himself. And so show them Jesus in all of his glory. Show them the story, how it ends. Show them that this culminates in him being with his people once and for all. Uh, Heaven descending to earth in the new Jerusalem. And only joy forever as he wipes away every tear from our eyes. And rids uh, the world and even our own selves of the evil and so on that still exists right now. They need to see that because in the darkest of times, uh, we're going to need something to hold on to. And uh, that's exactly why John gave us the revelation. Well, that'll do it. I want to thank both of you brothers for sharing your wisdom on this topic. And thank you, brother, for your testimony of preaching the whole counsel of God Mm -hmm. and the faithful years you've been at Open Door. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, It is our uh, mission at the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership to equip and encourage pastors to lead healthy disciple-making churches. And I hope we have done that in this very encouraging conversation. And as always, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain.